Thank you to uh, Bob and Ann for sharing, and uh, I hope you do have a wonderful Valentine's Day. If God has blessed you with a special someone in your life, I hope you're able to uh, uh, wish them a happy Valentine's Day and maybe get some dinner for them or some flowers and, and, uh, and have a, just a wonderful Valentine's Day together. Uh, you know, this year, as I think about Valentine's Day, I can echo what uh, Bob and Ann have said because I'm very thankful for the uh, wife that God has given to me. Uh, God has uh, blessed me in many ways. Uh, today's sermon is on work. I think Chelsea's got a very difficult job putting up with me sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I think back a month ago, Chelsea, as many have been affected, Chelsea had uh, the coronavirus. And, uh, and I think just because of that, I maybe have a little bit more of a, a sense of gratitude this year on Valentine's Day. Not that it was life-threatening for her, but, uh, but you know, you, you begin to have thoughts, what if you weren't with this person? Or you realize how much they do for you. Like she's quarantined in the bedroom for two weeks, and I've got to take care of all the kids and cook all the meals and, and do all of that. And you, rec- and you recognize, man, God has blessed me. Now, God doesn't bless everyone with a, with a spouse, and that's, that's fine. God's got his ways, his purposes in, uh, in whatever his plans for our lives are. But I'm thankful on this Valentine's Day to just have a wonderful, godly wife uh, to share life with. And so he's truly uh, blessed me. As I said, uh, today we're going to talk on the topic of work. And uh, first of all, we recognize that all of us are busy with work, whether we get paid for it or not. Uh, Sometimes uh, uh, God calls us to a work, like a stay-at-home parent or uh, a retired person, but you're busy, right? Uh, work takes up like 95% of our waking hours. If you're not resting or relaxing, you're working. And so this is an uh, important topic for us because we give uh, 90% of our time to our work and we want to be successful in our work. This is the last Sunday that we're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this sermon series, Actions Speak Louder with Words. And so we've looked in detail at uh, their personal devotion to God. And we've seen that even after they were taken out of their home country, their home city in Jerusalem, they never wavered in their devotion to God. Five times in, the, in Daniel chapter 3 does it say that they worshipped and served God alone. It's a testimony to their personal devotion to God. And then we've considered in detail their public witness for God. That they, when they stood before the king, they, they said, this is the reason that we do not bow down before the golden image. And we've recognized that in our uh, world today, we, we, uh, we want to live with personal devotion to God. But more and more so, God may be challenging us to not just love with our actions, but with our words as well. That we live in a world in which, it's, uh, in which we want to be uh, have that public witness for God. And now what we're going to consider this morning is that Shadrach and Meshach not only maintained these two, but they had this one as well, worldly success, uh, worldly success with God. And that's important for us because, as I said, we all want to be successful in our lives. And what jumps off at the, 
off the page about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they had these two, they maintained these two, and they still were able to have worldly success with God. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 20. And it says, uh, Then King Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Babylon, as we have talked about, is the, was the largest and most powerful empire in the ancient world. King Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was one of the main characters that uh, caused this empire to expand and to grow, to be powerful. And it says here that these three individuals were promoted in the kingdom. Now, we're not told what titles they had exactly, but we also know they had a friend, Daniel, that the book is named after. And we're told more specifics about, their, their, that about his position of power and how he was given tremendous authority. And so we assume that they had significant responsibility in this powerful empire as well. And, uh, and that seems to be, that, seems, that, sh- that should strike us as important because they had worldly success were promoted to positions of power. Now, oftentimes, uh, we will think that these two things stand in contrast with this one. That it's going to be hard to maintain our devotion to God and even to have a public witness for God in the workplace and still have worldly success. That one or the other is going to have to give. If we're going to really have an outspoken and devoted life for God, we're not going to have as much worldly success. Or if we want to be successful, we're going to have to compromise our values or our convictions somewhere uh, along the road. And so we live with this tension inside of us that we want to be successful at work, but at the same time, we know we should uh, live for God. And so to resolve this tension, I want us to look at these these three characters that had all three simultaneously. The first thing that we need to do is to define this word, success. How would you define the word success? What does it mean to be successful? Well, usually we define success simply in a, uh, in a worldly way. We define success when it comes to your vocation as prosperity or position or power. The more people you have under you and the bigger the paycheck you get, the more successful you are. And that's how we oftentimes think of success. But if we were to take worldly success with God, we might develop a different definition of success. Here's the definition of success that I want to propose to you. Success is faithfulness to God's calling in your life faithfulness to God's calling in your life. When I first got into the uh, ministry, an older pastor came and he said, you know, you're just getting started in, uh, in the ministry. How are, you going to de- uh, dis- how are you going to judge if you are successful or not? Now, if the world defines success with three Ps, prosperity, power, and position, pastoral ministry is often de- uh, defined by three Bs. Butts in the seats, bucks in the offering plate, or building size. And I knew if uh, I defined success just by these 
outward things like how many people are coming to church or how big the budget is or how fancy the building is, I knew that oftentimes, more often than not, I would feel like a failure. And so, the, uh, so 15 years ago, I decided to uh, define success by this definition, faithfulness to God's calling in my life. If I could point to my life and say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm being faithful. Now, hopefully the results come, the outward uh, results that we can see with our eyes. But I had to define success in a different way. And so I'm going to challenge you in your life, even when you think about the work you do at home or you think about uh, the work that you do in your workplace, adopt that as a definition. Faithfulness to God's calling in your life, whatever he's called you to. If you're faithful to that, hopefully the results come. But our success has to be found uh, uh, in something deeper than just outward appearances or the recognition of others. It has to be found in the recognition of God. One of the places I see this probably more clearly anywhere than anywhere else in Scripture is in the example of Moses. We're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. But let me jump back to the, uh, a, a few books in the Old Testament. And uh, as you may know, Moses was an important character in the Old Testament. He was the one that led the people out of slavery in Egypt. The, uh, the, the Israelites had been enslaved for 400 years, and God calls Moses out of the desert to go back into Egypt and to lead God's people out of slavery. And so uh, Moses does, and through a, a, a series of miraculous events, uh, the people are led out into the wilderness, and they have ex- escaped slavery. But as you may uh, remember, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and as they're wandering around in the desert, they begin to uh, complain to Moses. We don't have food to eat. We don't have water to drink. At least back in Egypt, uh, we had food on the table, but we're out here. And if you let us out here to die, and Moses is heartbroken. And so he goes before the Lord and he says, God, the people are grumbling and complaining about not having food to eat and water to drink. What do you want me to do? And God tells Moses to go out and, uh, and stand next to a large stone in, all of the, in, in front of all of the people and take your staff and hit the rock. And, a wa- and water would come gushing forth from the, from the rock that they could drink and be satisfied. And so Moses goes out and he hits the rock and this pure, clean, crisp water comes flowing and all the people, you can imagine, they're applauding. Oh yeah, what a success! Great job, Moses! I can picture Moses high-fiving Aaron and they're having a great time. Looks like he's a, a huge success. Well, as they continue to wander through the wilderness, again, the people come to Moses and and they come with the exact same complaint. They've been out there for many years and maybe they forgot what was done several years ago, but Moses, we need water to drink. Again, Moses goes before the Lord and uh, and he prays, God, what do you want me to do? And And God tells Moses, go and stand before this stone and speak to the stone and water will come rushing out. And so Moses, probably still a little bit frustrated and angry, why are these people so stubborn and, and uh, thick, thick-headed? But he goes out to the, uh, to the stone, and in his frustration, he hits the stone two times. Now what happens is probably not what we necessarily expect to happen. 
Because God told Moses to speak to the stone, and yet he doesn't speak to the stone. He hits the stone twice. And what, what's amazing is that it actually works. Again, water comes gushing forth, and all the people are cheering. Yeah! And Moses gives this high five to Aaron, and, and they think, oh, tremendous success. And Moses, in the eyes of all the people, has been successful. But then we read in Numbers uh, 20, verse 12, it says, God says to Moses, But you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You did not bring this community into the, you will not bring this community into the land that I will give you. You see, Moses, according to the world's definition, had tremendous success. But in, in God's eyes, he was a failure because he didn't uh, obey the Lord. Now, the good news for us is that none of us are going to be perfect in our faithfulness to God. But here's what we ought to set our minds uh, towards. The good, uh, I, was gonna, I should finish that sentence. The good news is that God will forgive us when we're not uh, faithful to him. Uh, but here's what we ought to set our hearts on, is to have a different kind of definition. In fact, I'd encourage you, when you get home today, if you have a job description, you write on the top of your job description, faithfulness to God. Of all your responsibilities at work, faithfulness to God is the most important thing that you can do. And if your job you don't get paid for and you don't have a job description, but you know the work that God has given you, faithfulness to God is how we ought to understand success. You see, I think if we give that uh, a definition, then uh, we will have worldly success with God. Now, oftentimes, I think what we're going to look at from the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that God will bless us with all of the tangible things. He may or may not, uh, but we can know in our hearts that we have not only found pleasure with, uh, uh, in the eyes of others, but God looks upon us and he is pleased with our work. And that's what's most important. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, drew the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar and were given uh, positions of power and authority. They had worldly success, but we were mindful that it was worldly success with God. Now, as we develop this definition, let me, give, let me highlight a couple characteristics from their lives that I think will, will help you in your work as well. One of the things I see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life is that they were men of character. When they stood before uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, they say, verse 16, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, God, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. You notice their calm demeanor? You notice the peace that they had in their hearts? These were men of character. They had something deep within them that gave them a, a depth. Character still matters in our work today. If you are a man or a woman, a person of, in, of character, that goes a long ways in having a success at work. Companies want people of character. They want people that, uh, that operate with a certain amount of integrity in their lives and in their, in their hearts. 
when, when, the, uh, when our three friends come out of the blazing furnace, you would think they could, they could have easily stood before the king and had tremendous pride and said, uh, what are you, King Nebuchadnezzar? Look, we've overcome the furnace that you tried to put us to death in, but they maintain their humility. These were men of character. Character goes a long ways in the workplace. The fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 2 or Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine if you uh, really adopt and live by that as characteristics at, at your workplace? If your boss was full of love and patience and peace and kindness, that's the type of person you want to work for, Right? And if you uh, have that character in your heart, that's going to go a long ways in helping you to to be uh, the type of worker that is successful in whatever career God has led you to. One more verse. I love this one from Philippians 2. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. What if those that you, oversaw, that you oversaw, those that worked under you, you looked to not only your own interests, but to their interests as well? What if, you're, if your job is to sell stuff, what if you sell your product in such a way that you are mindful for the good and the interests of the person that you're trying to sell to? Now, usually that's not the way we sell. In fact, you say, if, I, if that's the way I sell, I won't be making many sales. Uh, But I really believe that godly character goes a long ways to help us to actually be successful in our work. Because companies are looking for people that treat others with dignity and respect, who are honest in their dealings, who operate with, they, they won't say it this way, but who operate with the fruit of the Spirit. If you actually love those that you work for and work with and, uh, and serve in whatever capacity you work in, if you love them, they can sense that, and that goes a long ways. And so the first characteristic that I think we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we can adopt to our lives is to work with character. The second thing is to work with consistency. You'll notice in this, in this chapter that they do not waver. As I said, five times it says that they, that, that they worship and serve God alone. Consistency goes a long ways in the workplace. If you do your job one way when the boss is watching, and another way when you don't think anyone else is watching, uh, it doesn't make for a good work environment. You're not being a, a good employee. If you own your business, but you are consistent to uh, do what is right and to treat others fairly, chances are that business is going to prosper. And I know a lot of people in our church, and I, and I think of the work they do. I have a feeling that, uh, and I know within my heart, that many of you work consistently hard. And I believe God, God's going to bless you for that. Like that is in line with his heart. God wants us to work with consistency. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
So in other words, work for the Lord. Even if no one else is watching, God is watching. And so uh, work as if working for the Lord. But you may think, you know what? That's, all, that's really fine and dandy, but the place I work in is a difficult place. It's a dark place. I hate going to work. I don't want to do my best. Well, here I think is a, is a call for us to work with character and to work with consistency. Because if you consistently give your best effort in a dark place, the light of Jesus will shine forth from you. And maybe God is going to call you to go and look for another job, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, and I hope God gives you a job that it doesn't feel like such a dark place. But until he does, your job, is, your job description is faithfulness to God's calling in your life. Whatever it is, be faithful to live as a person uh, that is serving the Lord in wherever you are working. Third characteristic that I see in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is, is that these were people of conviction. It took conviction when everybody else bows before the golden statue for them to stand. They had to stand uh, out of a sense of what was right and wrong. And, and conviction goes a, long place, goes a long ways in the workplace today. That if you have conviction over the course of the, of, in the course of the long run, it will do you well. We need men and women of conviction in, whatever, in all kinds of workplaces. Can you imagine if we had men and women with godly conviction working in the public sphere? Politicians and, and those that are working in, in uh, law enforcement or wherever it would be. If they were conviction, they would, uh, there is a comfort in that, that we know that they're living the way that, they want, that God wants them to live. If we had men and women uh, who were working in the financial field uh, 15 years ago, we would not have had the housing bubble that burst in the way that it did. Because here were people that were giving loans that they knew they should not have been giving. They're giving loans to families that they knew they couldn't afford it. And what happened eventually is the bubble burst and, and there was um, great difficulty. Now, I'll say I'm thankful for the housing recession because we bought at the very bottom of the market. And, uh, and God blessed us in that way. And, that, and that's another just sign. I, I look at the faithfulness of God when we are seeking to be faithful to him. And so it is character, it's conviction, uh, it's consistency, and lastly, it's challenge. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a challenge when they were promoted to these positions of power. Remember, this is not their home country. Uh, they were not speaking their native language. They were put in positions of authority. I, I'm making an assumption here, but I am assuming that it's a challenge, that it wasn't going to be easy. And some of you right now are in a uh, work situation where you're being, being given an opportunity that's a challenge. If God calls you to it, he will equip you for it. Don't be afraid of a challenge in work if it is God's will for your life. And so a challenge sometimes comes with greater responsibility and greater authority, more people under you. But sometimes the challenge comes because God calls you to something that you're not going to receive as much money for. Or maybe God's going to call you to something like, like I think of uh, Chelsea's, uh, you know, before the kids were born, she had a full-time job, and then she took a 
part-time job and wanted to give time to being a stay-at-home mom. And the challenge there may be to make ends meet. But again, if we are faithful to God's calling in our lives, then uh, we will have worldly success with God. God will take care of us. But my, ch- but my, uh, my, call, my charge to you this morning is don't be afraid to accept the challenge. Accept the challenge at work, and, and, uh, and God may give you opportunities that you don't think you're up for, but God will see you through it. God wants you to be successful at work. God wants you to be successful at whatever he has called you to. And part of the reason I know that to be the case is because oftentimes God's uh, desires for the world are, are played out through your work. Work is God's will. God wants all of us to work. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were given work to do. They were to care for God's creation. Now, some of you may say, well, wasn't work a result of the fall? No, the, re- the fall, uh, the consequences of the fall were that work was made difficult. But work was God's heart from the very beginning. After the fall, then the weeds grew in the field where they weren't supposed to be, and you're And Adam's back hurt at the end of the day from pulling the weeds, and Eve had pain in childbearing. But from the very beginning, God wanted uh, them to work. You know, God is bringing about so many of his good things into this world through your work. I grew up on a farm, as many of you know, and and so I can relate to Adam and Eve in uh, working in the fields and uh, raising their crops and taking care of the animals. On our, the family farm that I grew up on, we raised hogs and uh, we grew corn in the fields. And we grew enough crops and enough animals that could feed a lot of people. Now, God could have brought food to this, into this world without using farmers or bakers or grocers or, or butchers or, or restaurant owners but God has chosen, part of God's will is for people to have food and to receive the nutrition that they need, and he uses people. And the same could be said in almost every kind of uh, work you could uh, think of. God wants people to be healthy and to be uh, healed, and he appoints people to go into health care. And God wants people to be safe and cared for. And so uh, he gives us police officers and child advocates and lawyers and, and, uh, and people that will work on the behalf of others' safety and their good. And God wants pe- this world to be beautiful. And so he gives us writers and authors and he brings beauty into this world. And God wants people to have homes. And so he gives builders and uh, he gives financial officers to be able to give fair loans to make that biggest purchase of our lives. And the list could go on and on, but my point is that your work matters to God. He could have done it without you, but he wants to use you to carry out his work in this world. And so with that in our minds, we ought to know that God wants you to be successful. And so think of your work this way. Your work is your mission field. Your work is your mission field. Your work is the place that you show your faithfulness to God's calling in your life. And so now if you define success, 
as being faithful to God's calling in your life, and you adopt the characteristics of character and consistency and uh, conviction and a challenge, then you are on the path to worldly success with God. And the with God is crucial. Earlier in the sermon, it was highlighted that we usually see an apparent conflict between living for God and having, and having success at work, at work. But I hope we all can recognize now that that's just a fallacy. That worldly success with God is not a formula or a guarantee but more times than not, the with God part leads to greater worldly success. And so let me uh, drive this point home that living for God in the workplace doesn't hinder your success there. It enhances it. Truett Cathy, uh, who is the founder of Chick-fil-A, was a man who obviously had tremendous business success. Uh, we see Chick-fil-A's popping up all over the world. Uh, and um, and we, we know that uh, Kathy was a strong follower of God. And part of his conviction was that Chick-fil-A's would not be open on Sundays. And uh, sometimes after church, I'm like, oh man, I want a chicken sandwich. And I'm like, ah, Chick-fil-A's not open today. And, uh, and that may not be uh, God's will for all businesses, but this was his conviction and he was faithful to God's call in his life. And Kathy said, A business, successful or not, is merely a reflection of the character of its leadership. And so according to Kathy, leaders with questionable character achieve questionable results, and leaders with godly character will have worldly success with God. And so here, let me leave you with this. This week, think of your workplace as your mission field. This is one of your best places to love God and to love others. If you think of your workplace as your mission field, how will you work differently this week? Will you treat anyone differently? Will you make different decisions? At the top of your job description, it will now be written either in invisible ink or in real ink, but it'll be written at the top of your job description, faithfulness to God's calling in your life. And if you do that over the course of your life, you will have worldly success with God. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that we have uh, so many in our church that just are really seeking to uh, honor you with the way that uh, they approach their work, both work in their home and work in, their, in the marketplace or whatever that you have called them to. And, and I know, like, it's my, it's my desire and in, in the calling that you have given me to see success in this work. But God, may we not get distracted. May we uh, keep in mind that our definition of success has to be rooted and grounded in our relationship with you that we want to uh, have faithfulness to you and the calling that you have given us in our lives. And so, God, I pray for each person in our church that you would help them to find satisfaction in their work, that they would experience success in their job. And God, 
ultimately that they would do it for you so that they would, would seek not only the pleasure of those that they are serving in the business world or, or uh, the pleasure of the company, but they would ultimately serve uh, to seek your pleasure and to seek to uh, be godly in your, from your eyes. And so, God, I pray that you would give them worldly success with God. We lift this all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.